Hey guys, welcome back. It's Chris Bircher, and this is Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom, and this is episode 88. It takes a village. Why you can't do it by yourself? Um, start off by telling a couple stories. One, um, I remember when I was a graduate student in PhD school, and one of my mentors, who has now passed on, sadly, Reese Vochelle, and Reese sat me down, and he sort of had this talk with me and told me that there are no lone wolves. That in order to be successful in my field, I was going to have to learn to network, work with other people, cooperate, you know, basically that papers were only being accepted with multiple authors and grant proposals were only being accepted by multidisciplinary teams. And that was the way that the world was going, which made total sense to me because what better way to go about asking a question than to bring people from lots of different subdisciplines all asking unique um, which says a lot about sort of the way things were. These projects were bigger. You know, there, there were no lone wolves anymore. They, the, that my field stopped funding and recognizing work done by sort of one person in their ivory tower, which had sort of been the dominant, a dominant, probably the dominant way for the preceding, well, for the entirety of those disciplines, right? For the preceding hundred years. You don't hear about Einstein and his team, you know, or Darwin and his crew, uh, or or Marie Curie and her lab, you know, you hear about these individuals and we picture them as sort of like woodshedding it all by themselves and having their massively awesome singular brains get these things done. And in a lot of ways, I think that's kind of inaccurate anyway because they were standing on the shoulders of giants. We don't know the history of those things. It's just a sexier story, right? For whatever reason, we like those stories better. Uh, whether they were true or not, I don't think they were ever really true, right? Um, it, 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 it always has taken a village. And there's no better example for my personal life, besides that professional example, than family. You know, if you look at the traditional family model, and, and, and some that remain in indigenous cultures around the world today, you've got aunts and uncles and friends and sisters and all helping raise children of part of a family. A family is not a mother and a father or two parents or a single parent and a kid or kids. It is multiple adults around playing different roles, maybe not even related at all by blood to the child, right? I have an example. There's a friend of mine who, who comes from, they are from Hawaii. They're of Japanese heritage. And in his parents' generations, uh, they, they've lived multiple generations, at least three generations into a household. And they did this on and off mostly for a while where grandparents, parents, and kids all lived in the same house. And I just thought, that's so cool because you have built-in babysitters. And now there are trade-offs, right, which is uh, an upcoming episode I'm going to talk about because there's, you also have to tolerate, as, as my buddy David would say, his dad's in control of the remote for the TV, <laughs> right? He doesn't have control over the television in his own living room because he's not the, the patriarch right? His dad is. So that's kind of weird. But they can also leave and come and go whenever they want because the parents are always going to be home with the kids. They always got somebody with that's got their back. And as somebody who is a, naturally a lone wolf, this is my problem and I'll deal with it. Of in, an individualist, if you will, me, I don't like that. It doesn't come natural to me. Although I would very much love to entertain that idea. It's just that my parents are so much older. Um, and they had already been through my sister's kids, and they weren't really interested in doing the hands-on grandparent thing. 
Uh, and then my, my wife's parents uh, live far away and sort of my ex-wife, we tried that and it just, there wasn't enough to go around. None of those models ever panned out for me. And I feel that. And I'm also not very good at asking for help with my kids because again, I have this unhealthy idea that it doesn't take a village, that I can do it. Not so much that I'm a control freak, but that it's my problem and I have to deal with it. And I, and I can't possibly... Um, put out on you to, to, to help me, right? I don't, I'm not good at asking for help. That's my problem. But I think it's a, a better way. Now, in the context of the R versus should problem and personal growth to find more peace and calm in your life, which I think is the general 30,000-foot goal of anyone who is watching KEW wants a little bit more calm in their life because calm leads to things like happiness. It makes room in our life for less you know, it's sort of like removing the rumination, reducing the anxiety, um, addressing the depression, making it easier for us to live more fulfilled lives. You know, I call that calm and peace. And so the types of people we want in our village are things like coaches and therapists and counselors, um, healers, you know, shaman, depending on where you are, yoga teachers, meditation teachers, your, your personal trainers, maybe. Dietitians, you know, people that are going to assist us and fulfill some role generally of just a supporting and sort of, you know, um, narrowing of the channel sort of role to help keep us in line with our goals when it becomes difficult for us to bear that burden ourselves. And that's generally what will happen. If you read James Clear's Atomic Habits, you know, we go down these paths where the first certain amount of time, four or five days a week, even a couple of weeks of any new thing, whether it's quitting smoking or working out or a new diet, you can find the energy uh, to remind yourself why you want to do it. And then you start to run out of that energy and you start to forget why you're doing it. And those old habits, the power of the longevity and the strength of that habit start to come back in and win and you taper it off and you forget. That's when we need people to help us. And, I, and I'm a big fan of letting people help. And even, which I've learned since Mandy Napier, my curiosity interview number two, way back, <laughs> that it's okay to pay people to help you if it's for the right reasons. And, and if they're, you know, it's a risk, um, but it's something that it's okay to do. And, 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 and the reason, I'm not saying... We can't do these things by ourselves. I'm not saying the lone wolf model is completely unnecessary, outdated, or isn't going to work. It's just going to take longer, right? It's possible. You, the, the, the journey to the mountaintop, you generally don't take a bunch of Sherpas with you, right? You go alone. Um, the, the walkabout, right? Some of these, these um, tr uh, rites of passage that people will go through in indigenous tribes, they go out in the woods alone and intentionally. So part of this is alone. Uh, I, think, I think ultimately self-help, personal growth, finding your calm, becoming an enlightened person, becoming a better whatever you already are, those journeys are necessarily individ individualistic journeys. But they're not rugged individualism journeys, Right. You you are not an island. Um, you are not a lone wolf. You are connected, and so this dichotomy, which is going to come up again and again, you know, probably the the, the episodes building up to a hundred. This idea that how do we 
simultaneously live as these individuals, as this non-conforming, unique um, entity in the universe that has never happened before and never will again, and realize our uniqueness in this world, but simultaneously being you know, um, um, necessarily and fundamentally connected and a part of that world. It's the ultimate yin and yang, right? It's the ultimate in mixed signals. It's the ultimate in irony that we are on our own journeys. We are ultimately answer to ourselves as as embodied by this barrier of skin between us, what we are, and the rest of everything else. As much as we are separate and unique from the rest of everything else, we are also 100% everything else at exactly the same time. And so it's almost like if you remove matter, you know, it's like different levels of organization. You got the physical world, you got the metaphysical world. You know, physically, we're separate and a, and a part of everything, right? Physically, our skin forms a, a physical barrier between us and the rest of the world. Physically, we also breathe in oxygen molecules from the outside that are necessary for us to live. We eat food, we defecate waste, we sweat, we exhale. You know, we are... <laughs> plugged into the universe, or we would not exist. But yeah, we are individual. And really, it's kind of like, you know, a a state border in the US. It's just an arbitrary line. (laughs) You know, I live on the border of Tennessee and Virginia. It's not very far from my house. And you can stand in the middle of State Street, and Tennessee is on one side of the double yellow line, and Virginia's on the other side. But it's not a real line. It's not that their skin is not a real barrier. And that's something you really have to wrap your head around. Um, is that you are not an individual, but there are individualistic personality traits that are critical, a critical part of this universal existence. We cannot, it, and this is like me project, not, not projecting, but sort of, you know, fessing up or admitting I, I, I for some reason, Spent a lot, you know, learned early on that, uh, well, I felt like an outcast, right? I felt, I felt like the world didn't want me. And I had to figure out some I did some way to deal with that abandonment. And that was to be this ultimate nonconformist and say, I don't need any of it then. I'm going to live 100% on my own. I don't need anything. You know, of course, that's not literal, but I felt like this rebel. You know, I am an island. I'm a lone wolf. I don't need any of that stuff. And so I'm coming at this kicking and screaming and finally sort of admitting that, man, I was wrong. And if for nothing else than the things that have taken me 10, 12 years to learn, I probably would have learned a lot faster and thus spent, wasted less time, you know, uh, supporting this image I had of myself as being a, a, a separate and unique nonconforming individual instead of just like realizing that I was connected and then working, you know, from there. And so a person can do it all on their own. Sure. Go, go for it. If that's you, I'm, I'm the only way, the only way I'm going to try to talk you out of it is just to say, man, you're going to suffer a lot less. Um, if you get something from a team now, this personal responsibility part is huge, right? Because I think fundamentally it's your individual journey that you are getting help for. You don't put the responsibility of your personal growth, the work that you have to do, um, the the self help, the self part, you don't, you cannot pass that off on somebody else. And I don't know that this happens because I I don't do it, I don't see it, and I'm not a therapist or a coach, and I don't have multiple clients. But I would guess that there are some people who 
who are kind of the opposite of me. You got to figure these things are a continuum. Well, and I'm probably not even on an endpoint of the strong, rugged individualist. I think that probably was way out here. But on the other end of that spectrum is probably the person that doesn't want to take any responsibility for any of it and wants to put this on somebody else. And so the village is not there to eat your shit sandwich, right? They're there to help you. They're not there to absolve you of any of these burdens that, that are necessarily part of being human. You cannot pass off that part of life. And if that's your goal, it ain't none of it's going to work. That's going to become its own struggle. And, you know, I'm guessing, and I'm just sort of thinking outside, you know, off the cuff here, like a narcissist is somebody who doesn't want to deal with a lot of things in their life. And so they find people who will deal with that. Or just an extremely self-centered person who's going to be like, I want you to wash my clothes. I want you to make my food. I want you to do my errands. You know, I can see where there are extremely selfish people who aren't taking any responsibility for any of their stuff. And so, as always, there's this Goldilocksian middle ground where you sort of have to be the simultaneously be the individual in society. And part of the society element is to accept help and accept people in your life to be a part of it, maybe without even any real directed purpose, right? I mean, your parents gave birth to you, and in as much as they are in a part of your life and they want to be a part of your life, you, I, I think there's a bit of a responsibility there um, to respect that and to allow them some interaction in your life instead of just completely running away from it. I mean, I don't know. Um, but I think, I think humans were, in air quotes, meant to interact with one another. We just have too many behaviors that suggest social um, interactions were huge. And the, the classic example is, is actually the lone wolf thing. You don't actually want to be, um, what's the, I can't think of the word, but sort of like cast out from your village or your tribe or your family because you're more vulnerable to the elements, to predation. It's much harder to make your way in the world alone. It's a luxury to get the chance to do that. You think of some of these, again, these heroes that we have we, that we think lived in isolation on these mountains. The Thoreaus, you know, um, they, it was a privilege for them to be able to do that because it meant they had enough resources and support to be able to do that, to survive on their own. At some point in our not-too-distant ancestry, sur- surviving alone uh, in the world was impossible. And so... Millions of years, or at least hundreds of thousands of years of Homo sapiens evolution endowed us with behaviors mentally, physically, needs, socially, to interact with other people, right? And so part of navigating that is critical. And that's something I'm guilty of not doing. I'm not saying that you are. Some people are really good at this. I would, I would, I would estimate and go on a limb and say that extroverted people are probably a little bit better because they actually gain energy through interactions with other people. And so that's going to be something that they're more easily compelled and likely to do. Introverted people like me, I sort of, and I can feel this, you know, even if I talk to like one of my contractors who's working on apartments that I manage, I interact with him for an hour or so. I'm beat after that. I need a half an hour, an hour of isolation and not to talk to anybody because I'm, I'm, 
I'm energetically drained from from the conversation from from doing this. I you know even even in this sort of example, it it I talk a lot for twenty or thirty minutes, and that wears me out. But this is different because there's an energetic exchange with another person, and so some people are going to be better or more apt to interact with people, and it's going to be harder for other people. And we those people that it's going to be harder for have to make a particular effort, and 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 part of COVID has made it easier for us introverted people to hole up. And I think a lot of us are suffering from that. A lot lot of us have forgotten that it takes a village, and a lot of more introverted people have used COVID as an excuse to sort of um, what the musicians will call sort of woodshed and say, well, I'm just really getting my needs met right now, and I'm I'm conserving energy, and I'm... I'm, But but I think a lot of us are, are feeling the downside of that because we need human interaction. And it goes both ways, right? So I think if you are going to seek out assistance from coaches and therapists, some of that system is set up to where the exchange is pretty obvious. You pay them for their time. And there's nothing wrong with this. And it took me a little while to sort of get over that. Of course, there's dishonest people out there. There's bad matches out there. There's situations where you're throwing money away because you're not getting a benefit. And that's up to you to sort of figure out. And that's part of the downside to that sort of work is you do have to trial and error your way to a good match, um, and then it becomes not money well spent. I still feel a little bit guilty about the money I spill with, spend with Neil Jorkland, who's um, uh, one of my uh, R versus Shit interviews, um, but I don't really, because it's just totally money well spent, invested in myself. Uh, I really honestly don't know what I do without it. And so there's that. makes it kind of weird, and you've got to figure that out. Um, And then there's situations where there may not be money involved. It may just be friendships that you have that you sort of have to give and take. And I'm not saying there were a replacement for coaches, therapists, healers, shaman, but you can, through interactions with your family, I think it's important to to have relationships that are sort of – um, looking inside, investigative, you know, um, running sort of the on the border of therapeutic. There can certainly be good um, relationships that are give and take with other people. And then it could just be at a 30,000 foot view where if you're, you have to sort of look at the budget, right? How much energy is, is being exchanged between you and you, the people around you? Are you continuously taking energy from the people in your world for your benefit and not giving anything in return, that's probably going to create problems somewhere else because that budget is lopsided. And so at the very least in realizing this individual versus community um, or whatever that sort of verbiage is, you know, there's this individualistic nature of a person and there's this connective um, uh, elements of being a human, you know, there really has to be a balance at the end of the day, right? Uh, because if you're if you are around people who are continually taking your energy away, that's going to cause problems with you, probably with your physical, mental health, um, and vice versa. So it's important, I think, to have these interactions and to be mindful of the health of these interactions. And then stepping back even further, I think this is all obvious and natural, and it may be to you that this is just human interaction at a base level. Some people are automatically going to be very good at this, or at least better than most people. I'm talking mainly that takes a village is a message that needs to be sent to people who are more lone wolfy, right? That don't necessarily get this and that struggle with how how to figure this out. Maybe it's hard for you to, to accept help because you feel like this is some sort of charity and why are you so special and who am I to ask you to do something for me? 
And you may see this only as a one-way street, but you have to realize that what makes that okay is that you are also available to the world when they need you. And in a, in a, in a, in a perfect village of a world, these sorts of transactions occur naturally on a day-to-day basis and organically without um, thought or energy uh, behind it. And, and, I, and I think that's where we were, right, where that was sort of the steady state. It was obvious. You know, you didn't talk about it because you didn't need to. And now we've slowly drifted further and further away into this rugged individualism sort of thing where I'm out for myself on a very sort of coarse basis. And whether we know that or not, we sort of hold up even like into our devices, right? And it have this, this ex- our experiences are becoming more and more individual and less and less communal. And so it is important to think about these things, to talk about these things, and, sort of, and to sort of be aware uh, of what we can do differently. And, and I think, not to use a word from the R versus should, but I think th- things that we should be doing differently. And that is just to remember that we're connected and to nurture and sort of foster those connections where we can. Whether that's, you know, nodding at the guy in the aisle when you walk by at the tractor supply or, you know, waving to somebody when they're driving by you, speaking to somebody at the gas pump, you know, having a few words with the person, the barista at the Starbucks drive through window, just ask him how their day is. You know, my wife is amazing. I watch her do this all the time. It would not occur to me to see, to even see other people. And my wife is like, how's your day going today? And I'm just like, and then I watched the other person sort of react like, holy crap, nobody's, <laughs> nobody's even recognized that I was a human being in you know, my shift today. And it's just a beautiful thing. And it, and it reminds me, um, you know, how grateful I am to have somebody like that in my life. So I encourage you to do more of that. And, you know, hopefully and ideally that will come back on you and uh, help you get your needs met. So, I'm Chris Bircher. This is Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom. This has been episode 88. It takes a village. And uh, I'll see you next time. I appreciate you paying attention. Take it easy.